Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back to The Savior Said. This is the assignment for June 1st through 7th. Alma 5 through 7, have you experienced this mighty change in your hearts? And we've got a great episode for you today. First of all, this like topic is one that I'm so excited about because it's all about the Savior and His love for us and the atonement. And I'm really, really excited about that because I feel like, especially last week, the reading assignment that we had was not very Christ-centered. It was like, you know, be good and be Christ-like and stuff like that, but it wasn't like focusing on our Savior. And, you know, He's what I want to focus on. So I'm really glad that we have that chance this week. Also, this episode is really exciting because I have a special guest, Stephanie Colvin from LDS Real People Real Lives podcast, and you're going to hear from her a little later on. She's going to be part of one of the sections we talk about here in this week's assignment. So let's jump right in. Okay, and I love the little ha-ha moment that they have in the introduction in Come Follow Me, where it says, Alma did not know about today's life-saving heart transplant surgeries, which replace a damaged or diseased heart with a healthy one, but he knew about a more miraculous change of heart, one whereby the Savior gives us a newness of spiritual life, like being born again. I love that, just because it's like a little but no, but then serious. Like Alma knew something that was deep and real and lasting in our lives, which is that mighty change of heart that we get from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's talk about that change of heart and how we keep that change of heart, keep our hearts healthy, I guess you could say. That first section in Come Follow Me says, I must experience and continue to feel a mighty change of heart. The introspective questions that Alma asked the people of Zarahemla, found in Alma 5, 14-33, can help you search your own soul and understand what it means to experience a mighty change of heart throughout your life. Okay, pause. So I went in, you know, and I read the assignment, and I'm like, yeah, there are a lot of questions. I wonder if somewhere someone has just compiled all these questions together in like a list. And I thought there maybe were like maybe 15 to 20 questions in this chapter. Oh, no. Oh no, wait, hold up. There are 50 questions in Alma 5 that Alma asks of his people. So I actually will be posting a link to, I didn't accumulate them all together. Somebody else did. It's on toadland.net. They've got a list of the 50 questions from Alma 5. So I will be putting them out there for you so you can go, go through them. Also, there is a blog called littleldsideas.net. I love her blog. I actually used a lot of her different, like, artsy, craftsy things that she designs and stuff on there. 
I used a lot of them when I was in primary, but she's got a lot of really good family home evening stuff too. And she's got one that's Alma chapter five study questions. They're like these little, like almost scripture stickers that you can like cut out and like put in different spots in your scriptures to help you remember the questions from Alma five. So I will post that on my blog and also on my social media as well. You can find those two links. Um, just good stuff, good stuff from, from both of them. Anything that can help us preserve that mighty change in our hearts, I think is, is always a good thing. But going back to Come Follow Me, President M. Russell Ballard explained the value of these questions. I need to regularly take time to ask myself, how am I doing? It's kind of like having a personal private interview with yourself. As a guide for me during this private personal review, I like to read and ponder the introspective words found in the fifth chapter of Alma. I really liked that idea. Good job, M. Russell Ballard. I really like the idea of sitting down and having that personal private interview. And I think that that's something when we go back to sacrament meetings, I think that's something that I'm going to be reading while, you know, we're waiting for the sacrament to come around. Right now I'm doing sacrament with my family. And so there's like only four of us. And so it goes like super quick. So (laughs) I don't really have that much time to introspect. Um, I mean, I do, you know, Sunday morning and stuff like that when I'm on my own, but it's, it's just, I think those will be really good sacrament meeting questions. They're really good anytime questions, but especially for sacrament meeting. And I did have a really awesome time going through those questions and answering them myself. And, you know, with the spirit there, talking to my Heavenly Father and saying, Heavenly Father, am I doing this? Like, do I know this? I do know this. And it was just a really sweet spiritual experience. Um, And I, I would recommend that any of you who are struggling maybe to feel the spirit or to find a better way to connect with your heavenly father, take a moment and go through and do each one of these questions. Because, you know, anytime you're able to say, yes, I'm doing this, or yes, I know this. I mean, it's just another little connection that you have with your father in heaven. And there was just a really sweet spirit as I did that. So I would definitely recommend that you do that. If you're overwhelmed by the amount of questions, One of the things I love to do kind of in that same vein of connecting with my Heavenly Father and feeling His Spirit in my life is I love to just the simple question, Heavenly Father, am I living the way you want me to live? Are you proud of me? If you pray that question, like just the love and the support that you feel from your Father in Heaven, at least I do, is like overwhelming. Like I'm tearing up just even talking about it. I love feeling that love and support um, from my Father in Heaven. And so if you're struggling in any area of your life, I would, I would suggest that you do that. But these questions are also a really good way to keep it going. Now, something interesting that they point to, they point to a talk from Dale G. Renland, Preserving the Heart's Mighty Change. Because you go through all these questions to make sure that your heart is in the right state. You know, you've got that miraculous change of heart. But then we've got to keep that. Right. And so once you've got your heart in the right stage, then you have to endure to the end. And Dale G. Renland in his Preserving the Heart's Mighty Change from the Ensign November 2009, I guess it was a conference talk, talks about enduring to the end. And he's got this really great quote at the end that I want to read to you. It says, to endure to the end, we need to be eager to please God and worship him with fervor and passion. This means that we maintain faith in Jesus Christ by praying studying the scriptures, partaking of the sacrament each week, and having the Holy Ghost as our constant companion. We need to actively help and serve others and share the gospel with them. 
We need to be perfectly upright and honest in all things, never compromising our covenants with God or our commitments to men, regardless of the circumstances. In our homes, we need to talk of, rejoice in, and preach of Christ so that our children and we ourselves will desire to apply the atonement in our lives. We must identify temptations that easily beset us and put them out of reach, way out of reach. Finally, we need to frequently biopsy our mightily changed hearts and reverse any signs of early rejection. Please consider the state of your changed heart. Do you detect any rejection setting in as a result of the tendency of the natural man to be too casual? If so, find a place where you too can kneel. Remember, more than mortal years on this earth are at stake. Do not risk forfeiting the fruits of the ultimate operation, eternal salvation and exaltation. Okay, so as I was going through this week and reading this talk, you know, he asks, do you detect any rejection setting in as a result of the tendency of the natural man to become too casual? There are a couple different places where I was like, after doing, you know, the Alma 5 questions and reading this, I was like, okay, so, and one of them I will tell you is now that I've gotten out of my like daily routine of going to work and stuff like that, I have had a really hard time in the mornings saying a prayer in the morning. Like, I have always been able to say a prayer at night because I get ready for bed and that's my bedtime routine has not changed, but my morning routine has changed. And it's gotten to the point where like I literally have to set an alarm on my watch and that it goes off every morning. And at first I set it too early. And so like I wasn't quite awake yet. So I kind of like mumble something out and then go back to sleep. So I had to like move it back an hour. So now it goes off every morning and I can sit there and think about my day and the things that I'm worried about and the things that I need help with and the things that I'm grateful for and actually have that conversation to start my day. And that has been something that's really nice. Another place where I saw myself become too casual was that I was doing an audiobook this week. You know, I listen to audiobooks like constantly. And sometimes they have content in them. And a lot of times it just doesn't bother me. I can fast forward or whatever. But this one had some pretty abrasive content like over and over again. And I'm like, oh, it's just a word here or there. No, no. And I found the spirit leaving more and more. And finally, I was like, you know what? The story isn't even really that good. Like I just, and so I had to drop it. And once I started listening to another audiobook that didn't have any of those content issues, I felt the spirit come back into my life. And so, I don't know, those were just two spots that I found myself like applying the questions from Alma 5 and applying this question from Dale G. Renland into my own personal life and ways that I kind of found myself coming back to my Savior because of those questions. So these questions, yeah, there's a lot of them, but the impact that they can have on us is really great. So definitely check out those questions, see what you feel inspired to do or inspired to change in your life this week because of those questions. Um, It's just, it's cool to me that just a simple string of words together with a question mark at the end can have a huge change in our life and in our behavior and in bringing us closer to the Savior. I think that's great. All right, the next section in Come Follow Me. I can gain my own witness of the Savior and his gospel 
through the Holy Ghost. And this is covers Alma 5, 33 through 62. And this was the section that my friend Stephanie comes on and she's going to tell you a little bit about it. We kind of talk back and forth, asking some questions about Alma and his experience. And she does just such a great job. So here's my interview with Stephanie from LDS Real People, Real Lives podcast. And you can find this podcast at any of your podcasting platforms. All right, and now we are going to welcome to The Savior Said. This is Stephanie Colvin, and she has a podcast called LDS Real People, Real Lives. And I am so amazed with her podcast because she does keep it so authentic and so real. And you know that's something I feel very strongly about on The Savior Said is keeping things real. So, Stephanie, will you tell us a little bit about the podcast, how you got started? Sure, Lexi. And I just want to thank you so much for having me on. And I totally agree with you. We need to keep things real and genuine. And I think that's kind of what I noticed with um, some of the podcasts that are out today. There are a lot of wonderful LDS podcasts out that come from people who, uh, you know, are teachers, who are scriptorians, who are therapists. And I just really was looking for a podcast that came from someone that was just a real person living their life, figuring out how to reconcile the gospel with their life. And we all have our different stories to tell. And so that's what I wanted to do with my podcast. So it's called LDS Real People, Real Lives. And I can be found, of course, on all platforms. And it's just um, wanting to, I every week I try to cover... I'm trying to build like a firm foundation for the first season of the podcast, but it is for LDS members, for people who are in varying degrees in their progress spiritually um, and just want a little bit of help or looking for edification, uplifting, and wanting to hear everybody loves fast and testimony meeting. Am I right? Yeah, girl. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we love to hear each other's stories and it's like, well, how did you work that out? I'm not telling you to do what I'm doing. I'm just saying, this is what I did. This is what happened. And so I am sharing my experience and testifying about the power of God and the Savior and the gospel and doctrine of Jesus Christ, which I think is so, so important. Absolutely. And you can't hear me, but I'm nodding along, just so you know. Just I'm <laughs> nodding along as you're talking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, one of the things, you know, you said is that you're telling your story of, you know, coming to testimony of the different aspects of the of the gospel and the different episodes that kind of cover these different aspects. When I first started picking up and listening to this, it was on the episode of the Holy Ghost. And I was so touched by especially the interview with you and your mother. And then, you know, listening to your episode on the atonement and you talking about your personal experiences with the atonement um, touched me so deeply that that's why I reached out and said, hey, you know, you want to do an interview for the Savior Said. Uh, Thanks, Lexi. That's, you know, definitely what I'm hoping to do is that, and I do believe that even through the technology and just hearing our voice, um, you know, God gave us this ability to be able to spread his gospel. And so even when we're, let's say, because I'm in California, we're still in the stay at home order. um, We can still use this technology to do his work. And I think that, you know, in the latter days, the separation of the wheat and tares is going to start within the church. And so I already do a lot of ward missionary work. I really wanted to reach out and help retain the members that we already have and help them figure out how to utilize the gospel to keep them on that straight and narrow path. And let's get home. Yes. I think that's something, you know, 
like you were saying, missionary work, a lot of times we focus on outside the church, but I think you're absolutely right. We need to work on inside the church, on retention of those who have kind of come to knowledge, but maybe they're kind of drifting away, those who are having doubts. And I think that's where your podcast does such a good job of clarifying the doctrine around some of these really like bedrock, I guess, things that the church is focused on, you know? Um, I don't know. Just Thank so impressed. You. Thank you, Lexi. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And you know what? Being a new podcast, it's always great to hear back from people and to know that what you're doing right, maybe what you can do better. So I always love feedback. I really appreciate that. Oh, no, you're rocking it. You're totally rocking it. So <laughs> the section that I asked you to come on and talk about is in Alma 5, 33 through 62. It's, I can gain my own witness of the Savior and his gospel through the Holy Ghost. And of course, this is Alma, and he's talking about how he gained his testimony of Jesus Christ. And I think it's so interesting that he doesn't describe the angel experience like that's not part of how he gained his testimony. He talks instead about the price he had to pay to gain his testimony of Jesus Christ. So do you have any thoughts on how Alma came to know the truth? For sure. I love Alman. I love his story. And I think that all of us, whether you're born and raised in the church or you're a convert, or maybe you were born and raised in a church and kind of left and then came back, we all have to have our conversion experience. It's that conversion experience that starts to grow our conviction and dedication. You know, we just have those put up and shut up moments in our lives. And that's what Alma had. I mean, he was out doing the worst of the worst. And it's so funny because as I was reading his story, um, we see that now in the world. And I see that even now just on comments or emails that I get. And people that just, I don't understand why people always have to be going after the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially the ones that leave the church. Mm -hmm. So as I started to study it out, I just really figured out that, you know what, we just have a lot of information and when you're given and you're taught a lot of those precious, you know, pearls of truth, and then you leave, you're not going to find it anywhere else. And that's no, really hard to reconcile. Yeah, it really is. So, Lexi, you know what? Alma was, um, you know, he went through a lot. And I just, my heart goes out to his parents. That's what my parents did. They prayed for me and just worked on me. Every time I would come and talk to them about anything in my life that was going on, they always pointed me in the right direction. And I really appreciated the fact that they didn't come across, um, for lack of a better term, like a holy roller about it. They weren't like, mm -hmm. oh, you need to go and pray and fast and, you know, find your answer. They simply would give me the right guidance and then let the spirit do the rest. And I know that through their faith, I mean, my family never thought that I would re return to the gospel ever with the way I was living my life. It's not that I, I didn't go out and work against the gospel and I didn't have any ill feelings towards the gospel. I loved the gospel and I had always known that this church is the church of Jesus Christ, but I was really selfish. And I think that's where Alma's coming from is he was really selfish. And I think that we can all be that way in living in this world. There's a lot of things that are constantly pulling at us, a lot of temptations, a lot of things, a lot of peer pressure and even family pressure to do things that you wouldn't normally do. So what I love about Alma's story is that, you know, we have seen repeatedly in the scriptures how angels appear and manifest themselves to these people, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, they don't stick. 
Nope. And what Alma did was through fast and prayer. And I, and I do truly believe that not only in the power of fasting and prayer, but because of Alma's personal effort, he was rewarded. And because of that desire, it all starts with that desire and his genuine genuinely wanting to know, to find out the truth for himself. That's all Heavenly Father and the Savior need. Yeah. is just our desire and our will. So he's, you know what, he's, he's very powerful. And when he talks to the people, mm-hmm. you can just feel how much he loves them. I feel how much he loves us. Sometimes I feel like he's talking to me directly. Oh, uh, you do? I love that. I do. You know what, I think oftentimes with the Book of Mormon, when I read it, these people that we're reading about are reaching out to us over time because they knew and they saw what we would be dealing with and they are just cheering us on and sometimes they're pleading with us and sometimes they're just saying hey this is what we did don't do it yeah a lot of times I think they said that exactly so I think you know Alma is just really he's just powerful and he's very straightforward and when he teaches to his people he's it's very simple it's direct and it's to the point and that is definitely what we need in the world today and I and that's why I love our prophet President Russell M. Nelson he's doing exactly like that direct and to the point but so very loving about it Yes, he's so good. Okay, so I have a question for you about, you know, you talked a little bit about coming back to the church and your own conversion. Do you see any similarities between yourself and Alma the Younger? And, you know, can you talk a little bit about your own conversion? I sure can. And I love to tell this story because people are always shocked. I love to see the expressions on their face. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I stopped going to church, I had graduated high school and being raised in the faith with my family, I just went buck wild. But I did that too, because I dealt with a lot of things in my life, especially when I was younger, that I just had a very addictive personality. Plus I was an, I love adventure and those two things combined can be a lot of trouble. And so, yeah, I mean, I was out in the world and I was doing whatever I wanted and, um, I didn't really think about consequences. I didn't think about my future. I didn't definitely did not think of my, about my eternal future. And what was going to happen after this life. I just lived my life. But I always had a firm relationship with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And that's because I always believed in the power of prayer. So when I met my current husband, my forever husband, Mm -hmm. um, it was really his, he's the one that decided to take the discussions on his own. And as the sister mistress came over to teach him, I was, I had the honor to watch his conversion firsthand. And the spirit was so strong. Every single time those sister missionaries came in, we love to call them our rock star missionaries because they were just powerful and on point. And when they spoke, it just, you could just feel the truth of what they were saying. And that's what the Holy Ghost does to us. It helps us the feel and it testifies of the truth. And so, yeah, it's wonderful. So, but you know what? I did go begrudgingly. I still was not willing to give up some of my vices because they had been my best friend for so very long, but it was the love that I had for my 
husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and also the undeniable experience of his conversion that I ended up going to church with him. And probably the first couple of months, I was really irritated being at church every Sunday for three hours. And uh, it was hard. It was hard for me. But um, I knew that I had to somehow reconcile myself. So that was when that beautiful Sunday came. I showed up late to church. I was sitting next to my husband, and we had sacrament. And I was so overwhelmed and filled with the love that my Savior has for me, how much He loves me. He knows me. He knows every thought, everything I've ever done, and He still loves me. And I was just so moved. I couldn't stop crying. It was so embarrassing. I could not stop crying. I cried the rest of the time during sacrament. I just could not get a hold of myself. But that was my... I like to, instead of saying reconversion, I like to, to call it a further conversion moment. We have many conversion moments in our life. And that was just another one for me. I love that. Thank you. Okay. I have a, do have a question for you. So, you know, you talked a little bit about your parents. So I'm thinking about Alma the Elder watching his son, Alma the Younger, kind of going off in, into the world, kind of like you you shared that you did. Do you have any advice for parents who are watching their children do the same thing um, on how to get their children to come back? In your case, it seems like it was your husband that brought you back in, but. You know what, Lexi, that's such a great question. Um, you know, my kids are in their 20s, too, and they're not in the gospel. They were baptized, but they are not in the church either. And mm-hmm. I take I take a page out of my parents' notebook and I also follow what I feel how Heavenly Father parents us as well, which is I love you for who you are, but there's always going to be a right way and a wrong way. And at some point, you're just going to learn naturally through your experiences in life which way you want to go. How much do you want to suffer or how happy and joyful you want to be? How much pain and sorrow you want to go through? Or do you want to be able to actually be in the middle of all that chaos and feel peace and contentment, which is what happens when you're mm-hmm. all in? Yes. Yes, it does. I love that quote, the being in the middle of all the chaos and still feeling peace and reminding our kids of that. I think you're right. That's a really important part of it. Definitely. Definitely. So are there specific ways that following the example of Alma, you know, and his example of fasting and praying and things like that? Is his example, do you see that in your efforts to gain or strengthen your own testimony? You know, Lexi, I do. And well, your questions are on point, girl. And that's what I like about this whole experience because it it elicits and it brings out what I know to be true. It's so hard to tell somebody the truth and you can feel it and you know it because it's been taught Mm -hmm. to you by the power of the Holy Ghost. But it's the Spirit that does all of that for us, and I'm so grateful for that. Yes, I think that Alma is, he really teaches us that we have to be focused. He's focused with a singular, uh, just like, monovision on being a disciple of Christ, and he's made it his whole life. I think that sometimes some of us in the church can use the gospel to kind of walk ourselves out of the church because we do too much. We're overwhelming ourselves. And I love this um, teaching that came from my state 
president in one of his classes, and he said that we're given a lot of resources and things that we can take advantage of as far as opportunities, but that doesn't mean that we do everything at once. So for me, I have to really be focused on it daily. So I start my day with prayer. Um, You know, I journal, I read the scriptures, and then I go to work. Now, my kids are older, so I don't have that necessarily to kind of pull my time. Um, But I do have a lot of family that I take care of. And so, you know, even if I'm driving to see family or to meet the needs of the family, um, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to Ensign articles. I'm just always constantly focused on the gospel. And I always have a prayer in my heart. So I talk a lot with Heavenly Father in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm just always asking the spirit to be with me because there was another quote from one of the apostles and prophets that said that, you know, for the person that invites the spirit into their life several times a day, you know, Satan, he's on notice and he's Mm -hmm. afraid. And so my goal is to make him afraid. You know, you're not getting me and I'm not doing that again. And I stand shoulder to shoulder with all of the other faithful, God-fearing, Christ-loving Latter-day Saints that are in this and enduring and in it to win it and want to get to that ultimate destination, which is the celestial kingdom. Let's return. Let's go back to Heavenly Father, the Savior. Let's be with our family. And you know, Alma, when he awoke from, I think, you know, his darkness of his mind and his desires and things that he was doing, that's what he wants. He wants it all. He wants to return. Yeah. He's in it to win it. I love that you said that. (laughs) I'm going to remember that. We're in it to win it. I love it. Yes, we are. Okay, so I got another question for you from Come Follow Me. So you talked a little bit about Alma, you know, focusing on the Savior. And there in Alma 5, from about 33 to the end, he talks a lot about the Savior. Are there any specific teachings that you see from Alma 5 that really stick out to you or that strengthen your testimony about the Savior? Yes. Um, I want to say in chapter 5, the verses 33 through 35, it shows us with genuine clarity again so that even children can understand and this is another reason why I love the gospel is it's not complicated that Christ constantly reaches out to us and that he invites us to come unto him to receive the atonement um, to apply it to our lives he wants us to utilize that sacrifice that all I mean he went through so much with that atonement and he did that because he loves each of us Sometimes we can look at it and say, oh, he loves the world, so he did that for the world. But we really need to kind of personalize that and and internalize it like he did that for me. And so I need to use the atonement to free myself from some of the, I always call it the yuck because I'm just so official, Um, but the yuck of the world (laughs) that you tend to acquire as you're out in the world and that Christ will receive us and help us to return home. He is not only our cheerleader, but he's there to help us every step of the way. And he's also teaching us that the fruit of the tree of life, you know, if you can recall anything that you've ever eaten in your entire life, you know, we all have these experiences like, oh my gosh, I remember when I ate that, when this person made it and it was so good. And so when he talks about the sweetness of the fruit of the tree of life, that's kind of how I see it is that it's the best tasting. Like you could not get that anywhere else. And everybody wants to be there. Everybody wants to have this fruit. Love it. <laughs> I I think further in um, 
57 through 60 in that same chapter, it talks about separating ourselves from the world, being in the world, but not of the world. And we tend to hear that a lot. Yes. Um, there was a great story, and I think it was Jeffrey R. Holland that talked about the temple that was being built in Manhattan. And so the, t- the temple was actually built within another building, and they used points throughout the building to stabilize it to that other building. So it's in the world, but it's not of the world. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? I know. I just read that a couple I, weeks ago. That's so cool. And I think that's how... I'm going to have to look that up. I love it. <laughs> I think that's how we can do it too. It's like we can be in the world and we want to be, each of us want to be those, you know, floodlights of Christ's light and divinity and everything that he represents. And so that's kind of how we walk around are those flashlights for the Savior. Oh, I love that imagery too. Um, You know, we have to be in the world so we can shine that light to those around us, right? I love it. I absolutely love it. And there's so many good teachings about the Savior here in Alma 5. Um, You know, I just like just it's amazing to me a lot of times just to think about the atonement but like i like you said to personalize it and make it really personable to you because it's so big and if i try and think about it too much like my mind just kind of <laughs> explodes you know because there's so many different aspects to it so i really like what you said about personalizing it and making it personal to you and you know bringing it to yeah, you yeah and i think so too you know? is that this is not an exclusive club it's not like only certain people get this invitation. That invitation goes to everybody, and we need to remember that there's nothing that anybody can do to put them so far off from God and the Savior that they can't be redeemed. He already knows that you're going to do it. It's okay. So repent. Repentance is key. Faith is key. And repentance is a very positive, wonderful feeling because you just release yourself from all of the burdens and the pressures of your mistakes and the sins and the transgressions. And so we just need to remember that this is not an exclusive club, that this invitation is for everyone. Even the ones that we worry about, like my kids, are they ever, ever going to awaken to the truth and want to serve God and be all in? And uh, I just don't worry about it because I, I know that the Savior has their backs and I he is the perfect protector, provider, and supporter. Absolutely. I love something you said, too, about repentance isn't negative. You know, repentance is a good thing. Repentance is how we come back to our Savior. You know, and for a long time, as someone who grew up in the church, like I always, you know, kind of thought repentance was a bad thing, that you you, you were bad and so you had to repent. But no, when we make mistakes, we have the beautiful opportunity to repent and to take advantage of that atonement that is given so freely to everyone and to come back to our Savior. And that's a beautiful thing. And to really change my attitude about repentance is something that's happened within like the past 10 years or so because, you know, of that. But yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And I think I can't kind of figure that out because I put myself so far away from the Lord and had done so Mm -hmm. much that when I finally felt the release of all that and knew I was completely forgiven, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, you know what? Repentance is not this bad thing. It's not this horrible process or experience. It's beautiful. And it's just, it's so divine and loving. That's the biggest thing is it's so loving. Yes. It's full of love. And that's, the atonement is full of love. And 
when you get right down to it, the gospel in general, full of love. Like that's that's what it's all about is the love that our Heavenly Father and our Savior have for totally, us. Totally, Lexi. I love it. I love it. Was there anything else that you want to add about the Savior, the atonement? I know the atonement is massive and we could talk about it for like five hours. But <laughs> anything else that you would want to add about that? Um, I think that just in general, and based on what we're reading for Come Follow Me this week, is that just to remember that the Word of God will be fulfilled, that nothing can deter that, and it will come to fruition, and that we can trust them, we can have confidence in them, and through that trust and confidence, we can accomplish and do all that we need to do. Yes, I love that. That's beautiful. All right, everybody, this is Stephanie Colvin, and she is the host of LDS Real People Real Lives podcast. Go check her out because she's got more awesome things to say. Awesome. Thanks, Lexi. Isn't she so awesome? I have just loved getting to know Stephanie. And it's one of those things that's so funny that, like, we contacted each other because of podcast stuff. And, um, you know, I did the interview with her here on this podcast. And I did an interview with her for her podcast. And you can go check that out, too. It's her motherhood episode. Um, Go find that. But it's funny because, you know, in between all that communication and stuff like that, we have formed a real friendship. And it's just so cool to me the way that the gospel just bonds us all together um, in sisterhood and in friendship. And it's just it's really fun to just to see that grow throughout throughout the gospel and a gospel family. So it's been a fun experience. All right. So the next section in Come Follow Me, I'm excited to talk about this, is Diligent obedience will help me stay on the path which leads to the kingdom of God. And it talks about the people of Gideon were not struggling with the same dilemmas as the people in Zarahemla. So the spirit helped Alma perceive their needs and teach them differently. Okay, pause. So I want to talk about something that's going on like literarily. Do we even decide if that's a word? I still don't know if that's a word. But like a literary situation that is occurring here in Alma. Um, So up until this point, up until Alma 5, we have it told from a third person narrator kind of point of view where we've got, you know, and then Alma came to this city and Alma did this. And then this person came here and this person did this. Whereas now in Alma 5, after you get past the first verse into and first and second, once you get into verse 3, all of a sudden it switch, switches to first person. And all of a sudden you have I, Alma you know, say these things unto you. And so we have, you know, a narrator switch there, which I think is interesting. So that's obviously, you know, Mormon, as he's compiling the Book of Mormon, switches from like an overarching, like, okay, so this is what happened here. And this is what happened here to, hey, this is like Alma's actual narrative. Like this is Alma's words that he recorded. And I think that's kind of a cool switch. So we have that. The other thing that as I'm going through and I'm reading, you know, chapter five, six, and seven, and I'm kind of comparing and contrasting chapter five to chapter seven, it reminded me a lot of our Come Follow Me studies from last year with the Pauline epistles. And, you know, maybe there was one city that was like a hot mess and he had to, you know, go and like clean it out. And then there was another city that was like good. And he was like, oh, you guys are doing so good, but you've got some persecution. And think in Thessalonica for that one. And here's here's what's going on. And I, I love you guys and strengthening you in the spirit. And so I see two of 
the kind of similar attitudes that Paul had that Alma is now having towards these different cities. And that also made me start thinking about, especially the question that Come Follow Me asks, so the Spirit helped Alma perceive their needs and teach them differently. Okay, so I also have an example of this for my own life. As a teacher, you know, I teach library lessons to my kids. And this can be anything from like the Dewey Decimal System to even like learning how to alphabetize stuff. Because, you know, my second graders, they're just starting to learn words and how words work. And so especially in second grade, I really try and work with them to alphabetize things. I've got a bunch of different lessons, a bunch of little tricks and tips and stuff like that that we go through. But as my classes come in, this year particularly, I had three different second grade classes come in. And I had one second grade class that was like super advanced, like they got this so fast. And so we were able then to move on and do different, like more exciting stuff. All right. Then I had one that was kind of middle of the road and they they got to maybe do like an extra activity or so. And then one that was really struggling. So we had to go back and kind of like reinforce the skills week after week. And so... I see something similar going on with Alma, where the Spirit's helping him know, like, where are these cities or this gr- these groups of people, where are they in their eternal progression? Can they go on and get, like, some more advanced, like, in spiritual enrichment kind of situation? Or do they need to go back and, like, go over some of the skills that they've already learned before, just as a reminder? And I think that's what happening is happening in Alma 5, where they're going back over their skills they've already learned kind of as a reminder. Whereas in Alma 7, they grow and they get to learn more about their Savior. And the teachings that they get to learn more about their Savior are literally some of my favorite scriptures in the entire Book of Mormon. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about them. Um, we're going to do that in the next section of Come Follow Me, where it says, The Savior took upon himself my sins, pains, and afflictions. It says, Have you ever felt that no one understands your struggles or challenges? If so, the truths taught in Alma 7, 7 through 16 can help. Elder David A. Bednar testified, The Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for he has felt and borne our individual burdens. And because of his infinite and eternal sacrifice, he has perfect empathy and can extend to us his arm of mercy. As you read Alma 7, 7 through 16, reflect on what these verses help us understand about the purposes of the Savior's sacrifice. All right, so I want to identify the scriptures in this particular scripture passage that just touched me so much. Um, and it's specifically Alma 7, 11, and 12, where Alma says, And he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions, and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death, which bind his people. And he will take upon them their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, according to the flesh, that he may know, according to the flesh, how to succor his people, according to their infirmities. Now. I love this so much. As someone who has dealt with physical illness multiple times in my life, especially physical chronic illness, like he knows, he knows what it's like to be in pain nonstop 24-7 for long periods of time. And he knows how that kind of warps your mind a little bit. As someone who deals with mental illness, he 
knows. And that is one of the most powerful promises of the atonement, especially when you're dealing with something like depression, where depression makes you disconnect from the people around you and those you love. And it just kind of makes you very isolated. You feel very isolated, or at least I do feel very isolated and disconnected from what's going on around you. To have a connection to someone who knows what it's like to feel that disconnection is amazing. Um, you know, especially when you just feel so isolated and alone and like no one else has ever gone through this and it will never get better. Christ knows what that feels like and he knows how it can get better and he will be there for you. Even when you feel that he's not, he's still there. Um, I mean, there've been times where, you know, especially during bouts of depression where I have literally felt like my prayers go to the ceiling and then bounce back down. Like that it, there's like some kind of, you know, Henry B. Eyring covers, calls it the pavilion of the covering of the pavilion, um, between you and God and how sometimes we feel like that covering's there, but it's not. That's just depression talking to you. Your prayers are still going up to your father in heaven and he's still sending love down even when you can't feel it. And what we have to do when we go through those times is pretend that you are in a tunnel, like you're on a train going through a tunnel. And yes, right now it seems dark, but the dark is not going to last forever. And eventually there's going to be light at the end of that tunnel and you will come back and out into the sunshine again. Christ has felt that and he knows that and he knows that you need that person holding your hand in the tunnel and you may not feel it, but he's there and he knows what that's like. And that is such a beautiful promise. And I love that the Book of Mormon gives us that aspect of the atonement that we don't have from biblical study. Um, You know, that he took upon himself the infirmities and the sicknesses of his people. Like, do you see the beauty in that? I just, oh my gosh, I just love it so much. Because I think sometimes it's those infirmities and it's those you know, sicknesses and things like that, sicknesses of the spirit or infirmities of the mind, infirmities of the body that cause us to make choices or sin, um, whether it be like a method of self-medication, or maybe we're just not in our right mind frame and we wouldn't have done this if things had been healthy and well. Um, so he understands that. So when we come to him needing repentance or forgiveness, he understands that perfectly, that situation that we were in. And I mean, it's just gorgeous. Um, I think a lot about different friends or family members who have gone through stuff that I can't ever even understand, but Christ does, and he can empathize with them perfectly, and I can pray and ask the Heavenly Father, please be with them. I know that you, as God, you know, as a Godhead, understand what this person is going through. Please be with them. What a beautiful blessing and promise that is. I just, I love it so much. I'm sorry. I know I'm talking about it like constantly, but I love it so much. And then the last question that come follow me asks is how do we access this power in our lives, his power in our lives? And if we actually go into the section of Alma 7, 7 through 16, it says, especially in 15, it says, yea, I say unto you, come and fear not. And lay aside every sin which easily doth beset you, which doth bind you down to destruction. Yea, come and go forth and show unto your God that you are willing to repent of your sins and enter into a covenant with him to keep his commandments 
and witness it unto him this day by going into the waters of baptism. And I would also say, you know, every Sunday as you take the sacrament too. Okay. 16. And whosoever doeth this and keepeth the commandments of God from thenceforth, the same will remember that I say unto him, yea, he will remember that I have said unto him, he shall have eternal life according to the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which testifieth in me. So that's how I see how we access that power. And, you know, I feel so strongly about the sacrament and the reminder of those covenants that we have made and their power to cleanse us, but also to help us remember our Savior. And when we remember our Savior, He always remembers us. But I literally feel many times in my life that the power of those covenants pulling me back to Him and bringing my focus. You know, my focus can be all over the place, all over the world, but sitting down those quiet moments of the sacrament and feeling my focus like narrow in on my Savior, it kind of reminds me where my focus needs to be. And it's kind of like that compass pointing north. You know, I may have lost my way. I'm out somewhere off in left field, but the sacrament gives me a chance to sit down and realign myself with my compass pointing north, and I know which way I need to go now. So it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff all around. The atonement, Christ taking upon us our infirmities and our sicknesses and our pains, not just sin, but also all the other bad yuck stuff in our lives. And then also the promise that we can be with him again because of his sacrifice. It's just so beautiful. So guys, I really hope that you feel the spirit of the atonement this week and the beauty of it. I hope that you are finding it in your lives. I hope you go through those questions in Alma. Remember, I'm going to post that list of the 50 questions that Alma asks in Alma 5. Um, so you can go back in and look at that. I hope you feel that in your lives this week. A big thank you to Stephanie Colvin from LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. I'm so grateful that she came on to The Savior Said and talked a little bit about her experiences as well. I hope you guys are having an awesome week. I hope you are healthy and well, both physically and spiritually. And I will see you guys here next week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.